0: Hi, I'm Paul Jay. Welcome to TheAnalysis.News. Please don't forget, at the top of the website, there's a donate button. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a subscribe button. And uh, we'll be back in a second. In a recent piece in The Guardian, Thomas Frank writes— In liberal circles these days, there's a palpable horror of the uncurated world of thought spaces flourishing outside the consensus of unauthorized voices blabbing freely in some arena where there is no moderator to whom someone might be turned in. The remedy for bad speech, we now believe, is not more speech as per Justice Brandeis' famous formula, but an, quote, extremism expert shushing the world. What an enormous task shushing will be. American political culture is and always has been a matter of myth and idealism and selective memory. Selling, not studying, is our peculiar national talent. Hollywood, not historians, is who writes our sacred national epics. There were liars for hire in this country long before Roger Stone came along. Our politics has been a bath in bullshit I love that line our bath and bullshit since forever people pitching the dumbest of ideas prosper fantastic by the way that's Tom it's laughing at his own mind in the
1: background <laughs> I haven't thought about him like I haven't thought about it for a long time they're, they're pretty fun. all right I'm going
0: to keep reading yeah they are I, I I love when when I'm interviewing someone who can really write and all I have to do is read their piece as an introduction it makes my life so much easier. Anyway, here we go. Prosper fantastically in this country if their ideas happen to be what the ruling class would prefer to believe. Debunking was how the literary left used to respond to America's Niagara of nonsense. Criticism, analysis, mockery, and protest, these were our weapons. We were rationally-minded skeptics, and we had a grand old time deflating creationists, faith healers, puffed-up militarists and corporate liars of every description. Censorship and blacklisting were important exceptions. The weapons of the puritanical right, those were their means of lashing out against rap music or suggestive plays or left-wingers who were gainfully employed or these days a lot of left-wingers like us who aren't so gainfully employed. Anyway, now joining us to discuss the The liberal demand for more censorship is Thomas Frank. He's a political analyst, historian, and journalist. He co-founded and edited The Baffler magazine. He's written several books, including What's the Matter with Kansas, Listen Liberal, and his most recent is The People Know, A Brief History of Anti-Populism. Thanks for joining me, Thomas.
1: (laughs) Mr. Paul Jay, it is great to be here, here among the uh, the (laughs) cancelled.
0: So... You accuse this demand for uh, particularly the big social media companies, uh, uh, a demand that's come from the corporate Democrats and from a lot of the newspapers and much of the liberal political elite, to uh, liter- essentially censor Trumpist stuff on the social media. Yeah, And you're saying this is essentially a betrayal of the liberal I- ideals liberals claim stand for so why is this a betrayal well
1: because we're we're supposed to be about you know complete freedom of speech that's i mean that's not it's not just the law in this country it's 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 an achievement of the left this is something that we fought for for centuries and now we have it and to to give it up you know just because we you know uh we suddenly think we can we can we can like uh Coerce Mark Zuckerberg into shutting down the other side is is insane. It's a it's a betrayal and it's also a just a, a a it's a tactical blunder of the of the you know of the first order. This is a it's 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 not only philosophically wrong. It's tactic. It's you know as just as a strategic move. It's idiotic.
0: Well, let's parse the different kind of stuff. There's Trumpist stuff about uh, the elections. Yeah. I mean, no, it's you know, nonsense. Like there's, there's all
1: kinds of, you know, Trump is an incredible but, liar. But, <laughs> it's and there's
0: and there's but there's also the stuff about the, uh, uh, which is completely false information about vaccination. Yeah, there's a lot of that uh, out
1: there.
0: You, is there anything that you think should be closed down? But then, of course, it raises the issue. Yeah, closed down by who?
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, the uh, basically in this country political speech is supposed to be the most protected form of speech. We don't, we don't, this is, this is a place where you have complete freedom to say whatever you want, political speech. And to start saying that no political speech is, is an area where we need, you know, it's like obscenity was, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, right? There was all, you know, there are all of these rules about, about what you could say on the air. And well, there still are about, uh, you know, obscenity. Well, to start saying that we now have to have rules like that about, about political speech is, uh, you know, is, is, deeply troubling, contrary to the American tradition, and I'm here to tell you, is going to backfire against the left. It, it, now, Paul, you and I have been in this game for a long time, but maybe not long enough to remember that the left is traditionally, uh, when, whenever there is an urge to censor, whenever this gets going, uh, who feels the brunt of it? Well, it's people like you and me. It always is. I mean, you look back at uh, World War I, yeah in America, anyways, I don't know what it was like in Canada. but in america this is this is a very dark period for freedom of speech. Wars always are because the Constitution is effectively suspended. And during World War one they uh, they passed a sedition law which made criticizing the war illegal. Now they go after a lot of uh, ethnic Germans who were saying trying to keep, you know they they thought a lot of, people thought World War I was a bad idea. I don't know about in Canada, but <laughs> here in America, same, a lot of people thought World War same, I...
0: Same, same thing here. In fact, in Quebec, there was practically an uprising against the draft. Yeah,
1: and can I just say um, World War I was a really bad idea? It, that's just my own personal opinion. Uh, anyhow, they, uh, 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 a lot of the opponents of World War I were trade unionists. IWW, you know, uh, Eugene Debs, people like this, and so who do they wind up enforcing the law against? It's all of these radicals on the left, and they just throw these people into prison willy-nilly. You know, they just start uh, persecuting them. It's the most incredible thing. And then, of course, it happens again during the uh, Red Scare in the 1950s and up into the 1960s. This is, you know, the last sort of great period of censorship and blacklisting of cancel culture, if you will. Uh, and and who's the target? Target of it, it's it's basically anybody with with unorthodox views gets called a communist. Uh, and it, you you've got to remember, Paul, whenever you you and there are a lot of liberals, well-meaning liberals, by the way, who played into that in the early days. They're like, yeah, you know, communism is a really a bad idea. A lot of again, a lot of uh, union leaders and stuff like that, and, and mainstream well, my, liberals. Well, Macar-
0: McCarthy McCarthy takes place under a Democratic Party president.
1: Well, also Eisenhower. There was Truman. It was it was a transitional period. So he Truman didn't like it him, with, but Truman was afraid of him, and so Truman was playing along with it. But Truman was an anti communist, and so but you know that didn't help him. Uh, you know, and then I mean by the end, these people have gone completely berserk, and they're calling Eisenhower a communist. I'm talking about the John Birch Society here. You know, this is this is. Whenever you unleash a censorship regime, which is what is happening now, it's always going to be people on the left who, who get it, uh, who, you know, who get punished. Uh, you think you're going to be able to shut down the right. And And by the way, we shouldn't even want to do that. You know, it's just, it's, it's a terrible idea to think that we have the right answer to everything and we can institute some sort of regime where we can, uh, for example, this idea of that, that some forms of error are misinformation and we should, crack, you know, we should crack down on misinformation. The very people who say this all the time, and this is one of the weird things about this, Paul Jay, is that it tends to be the news media that says this. Well, the news media gets things wrong all the time. I don't know if you've ever read <laughs> the New York Times. These people, have you ever, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a, a news story, have you ever read a news story written about a subject that you personally knew a lot about? Of course you have. And
0: did yeah, they get everything they right? I, and I, of course they didn't. Well, no, no, I, I mean, I know a few examples where they actually got it deliberately the opposite but yeah given is that misinformation i mean where, said,
1: where do we go to get that corrected well there is no there I, I,
0: it's always just, I it's don't just, think just any the- any i don't think any trumpist misinformation had as negative consequences as Judith Miller promoting the Iraq War in the New Bingo. York Times. Bingo,
1: there you go. Or, or, or the, you think of the, uh, the, I mean, the whole Vietnam War was, was done on a, uh, you know, on a made up thing, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, you know, not made up, but to, we still to this day don't really know what happened. But it was it was wildly exaggerated. Uh, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of this, you know, if, where the, uh, the government is able to, uh, uh, you know, play the media. Uh, to get them to repeat whatever, you know, official canard they want. Well, that's misinformation too. I mean, that's, that's like the, as you just said, much more consequential misinformation. If we're going to set up a regime where we're going to crack down on, you know, um, some right-wing jerk peddling a conspiracy theory. Okay. Are we also going to crack down on the New York Times for getting us into, you know, the Iraq war? Uh, you know, there's the the, the it's it, it is basically endless once you start saying that that uh that 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 we're you know we're declaring war on falsehood. Look, conspiracy theories annoy me too, but so do Hollywood movies. <laughs> I don't know, they're they're full of shit. They deceive people left and right. So does advertising. This is a culture that runs on fantasy. You know, and 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 to say that we're going to we're going to crack down on basically on on the genre known as fiction, <laughs> do you, you see where this is going, Paul.
0: Yeah, it's I, not I, only
1: I, impossible; it's a it's a terrible thing to want to do.
0: I can't see how it can be done in a way that doesn't accomplish what you're saying. Really violate. Democratic rights to speak. Yeah, I, I get. I get the urge people have that when there's really deliberate falsehoods and, being and spread and on a they're, wide they're scale are. There's, through there's, social there's, media. There's there's a whole industry. Like, I, I'm in I'm Washington in, D.C. I, there's a whole industry that does this. You know. Yeah. But but the thing is this is number one, the, the 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 crowd that this is speaking to that are persuaded by whether it's QAnon or something else they will find another way to get it. So like in practical terms, it's actually not going to be that effective. Um, and, but the bigger question, and, and I think the more profound question, which gets back to a lot of stuff you've been writing about uh, over the last years, is why the hell do so many people believe this nonsense?
1: Oh, it, well, that's like, is that the, interesting. That's the more yeah. important question. Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. And it is true that social media has made it possible for these things to go. Uh, to, for the cycle, the cycles have accelerated. You know that the conspiracy theories come and go f- much more rapidly than they did in the past. That is that is all very true. Uh, and I, you know, I'm the last guy to deny it. I kind of I, just between you and me, I hate and despise social media. <laughs> I just yeah, can't me too. I, just, I just can't stand <laughs> it. And in fact, the uh, the first the, the the opening sort of uh, paragraph of the essay that I wrote for the Guardian is about me at a at a Clinton Foundation event in 2015. Not that long ago. I mean, this is Hillary Clinton was getting ready to run for president. She hadn't declared yet, but it was it was early in 2015 and uh, but she was there. She gave a bunch of she you know, she she talked a lot uh, and all these other uh, people came up on the stage and, and gave different presentations, and one of the, uh, the, the 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 points that they were that they emphasized the most was this kind of cyber utopianism, this idea that social media had given a voice to the powerless, and social media was overthrowing dictatorial regimes all over the world, and all of this kind of just bullshit, you know. And and I've always hated that stuff, that uh, that that you know that nonsense you know rose-colored glasses about about what Silicon Valley is doing but it's it's fascinating to me that these people have now swung to entirely the opposite point of view and they're you know pressuring social media to crack down on their opponents and by the way they're really doing this the Democrats in Congress do this all the time they just did it again the other day they have these hearings where they basically threaten these Silicon Valley CEOs uh, with various forms of of, uh, of regulation, unless they find a way to uh, you know to crack down on whatever form of speech they want. What's what's interesting is they should be cracking down on Silicon Valley. These are monopolies. These are really harmful companies with these the, you know these algorithms that are that are uh, that are terrible. You know that that deliberately they've deliberately designed it to make you unhappy you know to <laughs> or to feed your, your paranoia or your mental disease or whatever it is these are really 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 bad companies and they do deserve to be regulated and they do deserve to be cracked up uh, broken up but the but what the democrats are saying is is not
0: that they're saying no we want you to go after the after these you know yeah, republicans in fact, they're, they're they're empowering them they're giving them the right to decide as private companies that cannot be really touched by like as you know the the, uh, the analysis they took down one of our videos and i found out something interesting from a viewer i think it sounds legitimate i can't verify it but our clip uh, when we told the story of january 6 i had a little clip of trump calling the elections a fraud yeah was so that, did YouTube you have did, did you and i talk about this yeah, we talked about yeah, it. So yeah. the, the YouTube algorithm deletes, takes that story down because Trump is saying it's a fraud. Without any context, because clearly know, our video was, was yeah. condemning it. But li- listen to this. Apparently, if you're a mainstream broadcaster, and they, in other words, if you get more than so many million views a month, they, you are allowed to run the exact same clip that I could. So they're deciding who's a news organization, who isn't. Yeah. Based on an algorithm, so they, you know they get to decide who the who the whole uh, and they took they took uh, you down funnel they, of information. They, 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 they shut you up. You
1: got shushed. Well, they, they, the the extremism, they took, they, <laughs> the extremism experts, can't extremism yeah. experts, went to town on Paul J. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's not. So funny. I want to go back to this. Well, it was sort of funny. Uh, the, 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 the I want to go back to this question: Is that these people calling for censorship, instead of facing up to why so many millions of people believe this stuff, exactly. which has to do with the with the deterioration of the public education system, especially in rural America, but not only, yeah. the complete lack of understanding of history amongst so much of the population. Yep. And the the economic deprivation of rural America that have made people desperate. Well, and also let's throw out
1: there the, the complete destruction of the newspaper industry. So you go to any of these small towns and they don't have a paper anymore. I mean, even big cities. Like I'm from Kansas City. Two million is the population is two million people the kansas city star which was once one of the great newspapers of america is now like it, it only comes out six days a week it's printed in iowa i think their staff is like 12 people <laughs> the, the, the the you know the the actual reporters for the paper it's really 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 sad and 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 if you go to a smaller city they just don't have anything. They've got nothing. There is no authoritative source of news, and of course, conspiracy theory runs rampant. And uh, there, you know, there's also this sense in which the expert class, and I use that, you know, I use that term all the time—the sort of professional managerial elite—have really failed uh, Middle America. Have really failed uh, this country. And instead of saying, looking in the mirror and saying, damn, you know, what have we done wrong? Why are people turning to these, uh, you know, to these to the to these crazy theories? They're like, no, let's just shut them up. (laughs) You know, let's just make those people shut up. Let's make them shut up and listen to us, the experts. There is this idolatry of the expert among Democrats that I found that I find really disturbing, you know, that if if only we can shore up the social position of the credentialed expert of credentialed expertise. If only we can buttress that and force everybody else to shut their goddamn mouths, you know, then we can solve all our problems. And it's like, that's not only censorship, it's deeply anti-democratic and it's also, it's not going to solve the problem unless you're never going to solve the problem unless you take away these, the vote, you know, unless you take away democracy itself. You're never going to, this is, this is a problem that is impossible to solve. And here's what's the worst thing about it, Paul Jay. It's this complete misunderstanding of the right, the right-wing grievance complex. You know, the, the, you remember I wrote a book called What's the Matter with Kansas? And this was my great sort of enlightenment when I was writing that book, is that these people who are voting for a party that serves the powerful and makes the powerful more powerful, makes the rich richer, you know. That's what the Republicans were back then, right? The people who are their rank and file, you know, these working class, these these sort of salt of the earth people in Kansas, uh, they do this because they themselves feel aggrieved, not because they feel powerful, not because they identify with the rich, because they hate the rich, because they hate you know their their lives and they hate being bossed around and there's this there's this weird way in which the republicans take these legitimate class-based grievances and turn them against these people's interests this is what they do they've been doing this for a long time they're very good at it to go in there and start censoring people and say you're going to censor people and do it right out in the open Oh, my God, this is the biggest you are. We are playing right into their hands. This is the biggest political blunder I have ever seen. Uh, and we're going to pay for it. And they're going to, you know, the history books 50 years from now are going to talk about the, you know, the stupidity of this. You know, it's well, it's like it's a McCarthyism of the left. This is so dumb. I mean, if it goes any further, and I think it will go further. I think it'll go quite a bit further. Or maybe it won't. Maybe we'll all, you know, maybe Joe Biden's going to fix everything, and everything is going to go back to normal when COVID is done. You know, uh, that's what I'm hoping. It is.
0: Well, you can hope, but I don't think so because the uh, <laughs> the, the 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 there's an uh, an interesting phrase that that was used. I think her name is Karen Armstrong. She's the nun that writes about Buddha and Jesus and other people. But she had a great phrase in one of her books. She says, during the time of the decline of empire, people lose their ideological moorings, and I think that's what's first of all. It's happened generally across the country, but it's really happened in Rome or America. And so, either you cling to a sort of a, a real fundamentalist religious conception, which at least gives you something to hold on to, uh-huh. or you go into crazy, you know, conspiracy theories. And I agree with you, uh, the censorship from social media that the Democrats are asking for, just reinforces the idea of this great conspiracy against the American people Mm -hmm. to to hide the truth. And then the truth is whatever the latest conspiracy is.
1: You know, there's also a kind of a, a dereliction of duty, if you want, by the Democrats here. I mean, people like me have been making, have been pointing out what's wrong with the Democratic Party for a long time, Paul. I'm not the first one to do this stuff. You know, there's other people have been saying the same thing for a long time. It's easy to uh, to confirm, you know, to for yourself, you know, go out and do the research and you can see how America is falling apart and how the Democrats and, and, you know, liberal elite generally have failed to do anything about it. And instead of doing the, the obviously, the right thing, which is, you know, rule on behalf of ordinary Americans make their lives better don't let deindustrialization go any further you know don't wreck people's lives anymore <laughs> you know, don't ruin the economy don't let monopolies you know destroy everyone's livelihood you need know, to go right down the list instead of doing that they're like you know they they come up with these 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 excuses you and the you know the most obvious one is after the 2016 election when Hillary loses to this incredible bastard this incredible bigot asshole donald trump and instead of saying what the hell did we do wrong they're like aha it ha- <laughs> it's the it's the russians you know it's a conspiracy theory of their own right but the, what's what's interesting about it is the way that they uh, they they tactically retreat in in such a way as to never that they never have to question their own priors they never have to question their own beliefs they never have to you know call anything that they themselves have done it, it, they never have to ask any questions. They never have to look in the mirror, basically. And this just extends that. It's like, you know, if you just reached out to those people, uh, maybe they wouldn't be voting for this asshole. Maybe you wouldn't be winning, you know, losing these elections. Maybe they wouldn't be believing these conspiracy theories instead of what's actually I mean, happening. That, there,
0: there, is, there is an organization. I was just doing some reading about it today. I knew of it before. I think it's called People's Action. And they are doing what you're saying. They are, before COVID, they were going door to door in rural America and talking to people. I should say, listen, they, they emphasize this. They start with listening to people who were especially focused on people that voted for Obama and then voted for Trump. Yeah, that was I know guys like that. There's people,
1: in my, Members of my family yeah. did that.
0: <laughs> and, and they're they're as complaining as much as you are about how little traction what they're doing is getting from the leadership of the Democratic Party. But let me add a big but here. I think the corporate leadership, the main leadership of the Democratic Party is doing exactly what they should be doing in their own interests mm. because they are an extension of Wall Street. They are now, yeah. I, the bigger yeah. Well, they have well when weren't they?
1: Well, uh that trend. I mean, you go when, back to I mean, the Reagan on, the, to the to they? the Reagan era. Uh, I mean, Reagan was was the overwhelming favorite of Wall Street, and so was George W. Bush. It's but with with Obama. I mean, if you look at the at the at the fundraising totals, I mean, there were always Democrats who were Wall Street Democrats. Always there. and there's also yeah, there's so, also big so, oil so, Democrats. So, but there's but they, so but
0: where I, where I was headed where I was headed with this, is that to think that these corporate Democrats. Except in weird circumstances, and I think we're kind of in one now because of the pandemic. Wall Street actually wants a big infrastructure project and wants a big infusion of cash and wants direct payments yeah. to people. Uh, so there's a very weird moment in oh, they're, the history they're right now. are loving this.
1: Yeah, they're 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 in a crazy yeah. bull market right now.
0: <laughs> but that <ain't laughs> it doesn't make lot. any sense. <laughs> but the bigger the 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 the, the uh, to me the bigger question is. What is the real progressives, the real left in the United States, and I have to say it's not just the United States, it's Canada and, and frankly, most other countries, too, and practically everywhere. Why is the left so weak? You know, wh- where, you know I'm talking about this organization that is going door uh, well, you know, uh, to door, talking to rural people. Paul,
1: you know the answer to that. It's, the, it's the, you know, the, 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 the main force behind the left was, was the, the labor movement and these and that is what's you know the first of all there's been this this uh dissociation between them and the democratic party you know and second of all they the, they're so weak uh in in america anyways i mean the labor movement has just been beaten to the ground they're you know the, what is the what is the rate uh what is the union density rate in america it's something like seven no it's something like six percent in the private sector i mean it's incredibly low uh they just they don't they've got nothing and with that but gone, I, th-
0: I think. Uh, sorry, finish. No, your no, point. that's all. It's just
1: with that gone, you've got all the, the traditional bulwark underpinning of the left. You know, is 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 has is evaporated,
0: and it's it's even. It's I hard think model- to even
1: understand economic issues on the left anymore.
0: Well, I think this model of, of people going to rural America are people from. We shouldn't also think rural America is is one block of people. I mean, there's a lot it's of a big progressive country. people yeah, yeah. In, in rural America. I just got this video from this woman that lives in rural Wisconsin. She wrote me a note, and I asked her to make a video. And she lives in a small town, mostly Trump voters. And she made a video about why she thinks people have abandoned the Democratic Party, or it's the other way around. She says the Democratic yeah. Party abandoned them. And I'm going to run that video probably alongside running this interview. Um, but but this what happened in the civil rights movement to some extent, the idea of of, of of a real campaign to go and talk and listen to rural America and make that a big piece of a progressive political agenda.
1: Yeah, so now you're getting into the you're getting me close to the P word, populism. Because po- the populace, you know, <laughs> the original radicals in American life, these are the the original group that demanded government intervention in the economy on behalf of working people. You know, it's a transracial movement of working class people. They were farmers. They were led by farmers, and that's who the, the rank and file were. And farmers in, in the 19th century could be really radical. And every now and then you'd have this sort of uprising among the farmers. Uh, and farmers were, you know, were the biggest, obviously, uh the biggest occupational group uh you know in america there was there were even in the 1890s there were more than half the population of america was still farmers and uh they uh, uh were you know their interests were opposed to the interests of banks just automatically because farmers are borrowers you know they're they're debtors and uh so they you know they, they, they there's this sort of built-in hostility there uh and that's that's gone uh and farmers are you know there's, they're a very, very small part of the population now. And uh, they, they, they don't tend to hate banks as much as they used to, but they do hate monopolies. Anyhow, but farmers can be uh, can be radical and people in small towns can be radical. We know it because they, it's, it's
0: happened before. Um, the, the woman that sent me the uh, video, which I, as I say, I'm gonna play, she says the, the, the elites in the cities just don't see us when they talk about flyover. Yeah. They really don't see us and as much as it was bullshit, she says, Trump seems to see us. Yes, well he he
1: yeah, that's right. Uh, Seems is the operative word there. (laughs) But there there were all sorts of ways that he did that. I mean, just look at what he did. He talked about the trade agreements. That was was really smart. That hurt Clinton really bad. He talked about the opioid epidemic. And he did that in a way that uh, resonated for people. I mean, everybody thinks that that, everybody knew that was a terrible problem, right? But somehow Trump was able to capitalize on it. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that he w- that he was able to do that. Go back and look at it, you know. And it's not just the bigotry. I mean, that was you know. There's obviously a certain uh, audience for that in America, you know that 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 uh, you know that that loves that crap. But uh, it, it's obviously there's more that more to it than just that because you know the the famous Obama. Right, let,
0: let's go back to this. Let's go back to the censorship thing. Um, in Canada and almost every Advanced country, capitalist country and, and most of the, many of the developing countries, they actually do have laws against hate speech. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very common law. United States is one of the outliers not to have it. Um, what what do you what's your view on that? Like the, now, most of the laws do not have punishment for the say the social media company, if an individual goes on. Mm-hmm in one way or the other and commits hate speech, whether it's on social media or in print or in some other way. It's that individual who's accountable and could be charged.
1: Yeah. Well, I I obviously take a, an American, you know, very American view on that, which, you know, first amendment, this is the, that's, that's one of the ways in which we are a profoundly democratic country, uh, you know, is, is the sort of, uh, free speech absolutism, and uh, the 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 sort of doctrine here in America is that unless you are, I mean, there are rules about speech. Uh, you and I are journalists. We know about defamation, right? That's you can get sued for 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 libeling someone, uh, and you can get uh, and if you if you threaten uh, imminent violence, I, I don't remember the exact term, but the Supreme Court has defined it, uh, and that's the that's the standard in America and. Hate speech does not, uh, apparently, unless you're directly threatening someone, threatening imminent harm to someone. That's 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 the rule. It doesn't, uh, you know, it it can't be outlawed. Which allows for
0: which allows for outright Nazi propaganda as long as they don't specifically threaten someone. Um, Say, I'm in favor of that kind of uh, law. I I think if it's used against. Very narrowly, the way it's defined incitement for hatred against an identifiable group. And I know in the Canadian situation, it's, the law has been used very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been like there was one Nazi guy, uh, guy who was very active in the global Nazi movement. He was charged under this. Um, I, in Germany, they have a law that goes a little further. Uh, Theirs is the German law is closer to what the Democrats are calling for. Uh, this is from 2017. Well, gonna, the problem the is Germans... they're going to have,
1: they, they, they can't do it legally. The Constitution prevents them from passing a law like that. So what they're trying to do is uh, coerce Silicon Valley into doing it for them. Uh, and that is, you know, that's kind of an iffy strategy. And I believe that'll probably, they'll probably get in trouble with the courts just by doing that, just by threatening, you know, threatening to punish the, you know, the, the uh, social media if they don't. Uh, start cracking down. Even that is illegal. You can't. They can't do that either. But we'll see. It hasn't. They, nobody has come in, stepped in to stop them yet. We'll find out.
0: So what if there was a, a well-financed campaign of outright racist uh, propaganda pushed on social media in a big way, yeah. uh, without without a direct threat of violence against anyone. But I don't, I'm I, I'm not I, I don't want to say it would be the Koch brothers because I don't think they would actually do that. But I don't know Robert Mercer. Somebody or some so there's real plenty crazy of people who
1: do who do stuff do that. like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know, Paul. I mean, I assume that uh, that uh, you know that you know the Silicon Valley companies are not the state. They can do whatever they want. You know that is that is the fact. Well, maybe that's
0: the answer: is that that they sh- with that kind of clout in the culture, they yeah, shouldn't and they, be and they, and you when you when
1: you sign up for your account, you you agree to not do all of these things. You agree to not threaten people. You know, you agree to not defame people. But they uh, they can't be held responsible. This is the 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 weird. Um, you know the loophole in the law that was passed back in the 1990s. So you can't sue Facebook if somebody uh, if somebody threatens you on Facebook. By the way, which has happened to me, isn't that the craziest damn thing? Somebody was like, uh, I got a death threat on Facebook once, uh, the nuttiest thing. And uh, uh, but I can't
0: hold Facebook accountable for that.
1: Well, I mean, nothing happened, so I can't hold anybody, you know, accountable.
0: So let, let's explore. What would be a model that would be reasonable? Like you talked about regulation, you talked about breaking them up.
1: Yeah. I mean, is well, there a is-
0: democratic way to, to, to keep overt racist and fascist stuff out of this? Overt. I, and I think that word averts. Very important because well the, the, these are the, a these lot are of what, people might think something is racist and and it's a matter of interpretation yeah. or argument this is but, but you know, overt wait, I, know, I know what you
1: mean yeah because that's all yeah. of these Supreme Court decisions and these big ACLU cases if you go it's always that's always what it's about uh, over the last twenty or thirty years like the Nazis wanted to march in Skokie Illinois you know and the Supreme Court the sort of the the current sort of Supreme Court standard for free speech came after a, a leader of the ku klux klan gave some incredibly you know uh, uh vile address you know speech somewhere in ohio and got and went to jail right they threw and uh, uh and, and was threatening you know people but in in a abstract sort of way and uh, the supreme court ruled in his favor uh you know th- this is always how this is these are always the test cases in america um but uh, I th- you know, social media obviously has uh, has different standards. But the standards have to be really, really, really broad. What disturbs me is the Democrats trying to uh, uh, get them to rewrite the algorithm to punish uh the, the you know the politi- their political opponents that's that's what's disturbing. well there's an interesting I, mean, you know, uh, I, I have very little sympathy for nazis or the Klan or any, any of these i you know i don't really care what happens to them i you know that's never been an my, interesting, my uh my field you know
0: there was a commission i think it was british but a bunch of europeans involved to come up with recommendations and I thought one of the recommendations was actually really good, to make YouTubes and all the social media have to make their algorithms public. Ooh. How do they decide what to suppress, what not to suppress?
1: Interesting idea.
0: Make, those, make that a, a matter of public disclosure, and that would be an interesting law. It would be constitutional, I think. They could yell proprietary, <laughs> but I think the public interest would trump it. Um, make them disclose how they're deciding things. Like how does the analysis get caught in something that's supposed to be suppressing. What would also also be
1: awesome is if there was some way to appeal things, you know, like when you find, you know, like uh, these, these um, newspapers and TV channels that uh, like CNN, that constantly talk about misinformation and the dangers of misinformation. Okay. Fair enough. What about when they make a mistake? And we have a perfect example of that the whole Russiagate thing, you know, it went on for, for years and it was crazy and it all turned yeah. out to be or not all of it, but about 90 percent of it turned out to be based on 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 mistakes, you know, or on on groundless fears uh, or exaggerations uh, that were that were pumped up by the media. OK, how do we hold them accountable? What's the mechanism for 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 causing them to, you know, to be held accountable? Uh, I would. So, like, how what 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 would you like to see? Because I, I agree with no idea. <laughs> you know. the, there no. I mean, you could write a letter to the editor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have you could have like a some kind of tribunal, maybe with no actual authority, like not binding, because you don't want some tribunal to be able to uh, decide this is true and that isn't but maybe a public forum that has to get media coverage where you could actually have debates and investigation. Like, you don't even have balanced, uh, what is it, since Reagan, you don't even have fair balance, the, fairness, the f- media famous coverage. The fairness
1: doctrine. Yeah.
0: Well, you don't even have gone. that but
1: Even if we did, they still wouldn't let you on TV in America, Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they ain't letting you on either.
1: So. I, I used to do radio. I used to do college radio. That's for, You know, you're right. I haven't been on TV in America in a... Um, quite a long time an actual broadcast tv i have not been on in years uh i've been on um bill maher he had me on about uh six seven months ago other than that nothing i haven't been on msnbc in four years five years since the beginning of all this and uh i haven't been on c I was on CNN. I used to be on CNN right up until Trump got elected, and then after that, it 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 uh, it dried up. They lost interest in me. But yeah, I'm not just
0: yeah because because the because the critique of liberalism is outside the lines of what you're allowed to talk
1: about. Yes, I have a funny story about that about the mainstream media in America, and uh, I can't tell you who said this, but they said it to uh, uh, someone that was trying to get me on. Uh, you know, a, a, a broadcast network in America. Let's just put it that way. And they said um, to this person who was like trying to promote Thomas Frank and like, come on, you know, we, you, you should have him to come on and, and talk about Listen Liberal. You know, this is book criticizing the Democratic Party. And they said, um, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but they said, uh, it's okay to criticize the Republicans from the left. And it's okay to criticize the Democrats from the right but you can't criticize the democrats from the left that was their standard and so i fell outside the parameters of the acceptable <laughs> you can't criticize the democrats from the left how about that paul jay
0: well i got to know gore vidal pretty well i interviewed him a bunch of times before he died and we sort of became that's right friends.
1: you even put out a book yeah. Of uh, Gore yeah, Vidal. Yeah, well, that,
0: in fact, it was the, yeah, that's the book that Julian Assange was carrying yeah, when he got yeah, arrested. Yeah. That, that became a big story. But Gore, who was a global literary celebrity, a massive television star, this like in 1968 during the Democratic Party convention when the streets were ablaze. Yeah, he used to be on TV all the time. Right. He would be on Johnny yeah, a Carson. Yeah, debate and between stuff. Gore Vidal. Yeah. And, and then as, as he more and more critiqued the leadership of the Democratic Party, he starts to get off American television. And even as such a star, when I got to know him, the last two, three years of his life, he wasn't on U, uh, mainstream TV at all. He, his house was constantly had European television crews coming in and out. So I'm on European he,
1: TV all the time, by the way. That's that's not a problem. They're, they're very interested in America and in you know, what's going on here. But uh, um, American uh, TV is no. They're, they don't. They're not interested. I used to. I used to. I take that back. There was this guy in Baltimore. I used to go up to this guy's TV studio <laughs> in Baltimore, and I, I would be on that all the time. I had trouble with the parking yeah, this, meters there, though. The parking meters were a headache.
0: was <laughs> t- talking about my former life. Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. So so let's. So what in terms of dealing with. The QAnon and this and and the kind of real false narratives and and they're demonstrably false. And the most important one, of course, is climate change denial, climate science denial, which is by far the most consequent consequential uh, misinformation. Yeah, that's not how, only on social media. Be, how do you beat something so like
1: that? It, it, look, it, it's in in my opinion, the the right side of these debates ought ought to be the side that 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 wins. Uh, and if they don't, I think it's something. There's something wrong with the way you're presenting your 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 side. And, and to me, that is just like everybody knows climate change is happening. We were talking about farmers a minute ago. Don't tell me farmers don't know this. Of course they know it. It's like they, every year they were. I mean, like uh, we were talking about Kansas City a minute ago. I'm from Kansas City. Uh, It used to snow a lot in Kansas City in the wintertime. Now when you go there and it snows, they don't know what to do. They're like, oh, my God, it's snowing. It's like, yeah, it is. It's Kansas City. It snows all the time. It never snows there anymore. Everyone knows climate change is happening. If you can't talk to people about something that everyone knows is taking place and you can't like – there's something wrong with 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 with, you know, the way you're framing it and the way you're presenting these facts, you know, and uh, this is not it's not my subject. I haven't really studied it a whole lot. But there's the, the same thing is true with with covid. Uh, you know, this I think uniquely among the nations, we Americans made covid into a culture war which is absolutely fascinating to me. Like, why, why would you do that? No, no, I
0: got to say it's, it's not uniquely. Oh, is that happening it's elsewhere? Happening, it's, it's, it's happening in Brazil. It's even happening to some extent in Canada. It's happening in Europe. The same kind of, you know, rightist, populist kind of politics. I don't even, I don't understand why vaccination and masks became the you know, an issue for the right. And, it, and they could have played it the other way.
1: Uh, and to their i think it's to their incredible uh, you know regret that they that they played it the way that they did i mean had trump uh stepped up and been a real leader during covid he probably would have been reelected you know the fact that he was such a dunce a fool and a terrible leader you know telling people they should inject bleach Do you, do you remember the i mean the idiotic things that he said uh, that's that's a big part of the reason why he why he lost but, uh, you know, guys like Steve Bannon were, were on this very early uh, trying to get him to, uh, to, to, you know, to take a hard line about it. And it's, oh, it, it. It's not worth going into. I'm just saying it didn't have to unfold in the way that it did. And it's all of the – and by the way, this is a subject I, I, I want to write about someday. I'm just so sick of politics, you know. I've just had enough of it. But how COVID became a culture war is, is really fascinating to me and i don't think well, it's that to... simple to just say well these people are stupid and they don't understand science that's not the answer it's 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 a little more complicated than that but i don't i don't yeah, ha- i don't prof- have it prof- here i can't i can't give you the answer right now
0: well, it has to do with this profound distrust in government, which is not new. It's yeah, there's that, but it's it's, it's also
1: if you ask me, it's but, always about social class, and and uh, it's not just this distrust of government because you know government was was Trump at the time. Uh, they, it, no, but it, this
0: goes back to Reagan too. I mean, Reagan's big slogan was the course. government isn't the solution; it's the problem. Yeah. Uh, but but there's another thing happening which we better pay attention to, and for because I think a lot of the left and progressives don't watch as much Tucker Carlson and right wing uh, media as I do, and maybe some others. But the the people like Tucker Carlson, like Bannon, they are taking over the anti corporatist. Yes rhetoric yes and agenda. why are, they, up, are, why are rant- they doing
1: that and the answer is the answer is because they can because we aren't there to stop them there there aren't voices like mine on on you know left you know left media such as it is uh and and so they're able to do it yes this is happening there is a, a shifting of the tectonic plates going on in america right now this is what i wrote about for Monde diplomatique i mean it's not written about in america but uh the uh you know just 10 years ago when you talked about the Republican party the one fact you needed to know is that this was the party of the rich well that's not the case anymore
0: the rich and are the party of big business
1: yeah they're changing sides with the a few exceptions like big oil you know casinos uh, things like that, industries like that. I mean, like I, don't
0: that. Think, I don't think they're really changing sides, but they've learned the rhetoric. Of well, I mean, or like, are, as, are the sides Ray-
1: changing? You know, the sides are changing. It's just, it's, it's a very curious shift that's going. And, uh, you know, the, Paul and I, by the way, I have, to, I have to hang up here in a minute, but uh, I've told you about this uh, uh, before, that, like the area that I, the place that I grew up in, this very wealthy part of Kansas City, I mean, I, I my family wasn't wealthy, but the kids that I, that were on my street, that I went to school with, that I played with, uh, they were the ruling class of the state of Kansas and of the city of Kansas City. They were, they owned it, or their families owned it. And these were the most Republican people in America. You know, these are Bob Dole Republicans, Na- Dwight D. Eisenhower Republicans, Nancy Kassebaum Republicans. Those are all people from Kansas. And, um. You know, Goldwater, they loved Goldwater, voted for my neighborhood, went for Goldwater by like 70, 75 percent or something like that. Okay, they just went for Biden. I looked it up. It's the first time that county that I grew up in, that county went for a Democrat since Woodrow Wilson. Over 100 years, they were Republican. And now they flipped. That is, for me, that is an earthquake. And I went in, I, I dug into the data and looked at my neighborhood, the actual neighborhood where my father still lives. Biden won every precinct, every single precinct, uh, where these very, very, very wealthy people live. That's, this is a shifting of the plates. Something is going on here. And now you look at a map of the state of Kansas and it used to be all red. The Democrats traditionally won one county, which is this very working class urban county. Um, uh, right north of where I grew up. Well, now they win that one and then they win the rich people and then they lose everything else, all the farmers, you know, all that. but they, you know, Oh, and they get the college town. They get the co- place where the university of Kansas is. Uh, and, you know, it's it's what is going on in this country is is incredible. But the ruling class is changing sides. That doesn't mean that they're becoming like particularly liberal it doesn't mean that they're going to start watching, you know, Paul Jay. It doesn't mean they're going to start, you know, uh, re, you know, putting me on TV or anything like that. It means that they that they're uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm out of it and I'm out of gas here. But, you know, the, the, the ruling class is voting for Democrats. That's what's happening. Uh, And it's not, the ruling class isn't monolithic. It's the change has taken place over time. It's not, it hasn't, it's not complete yet. It hasn't, you know, fully happened, but it is happening. Uh, And, you know, there's no doubt about it. And that's one of the, one of the lines that I've, in in this Guardian story that I'm proud of. The Democrats scold and shush uh, and boss you around like a ruling class, because to a certain degree, that's what they are.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us, Thomas. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Don't forget the donate button, the subscribe button on YouTube, and uh, please come back again soon.